Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Title of the of the talk is uh, "Courage to Be Yourself." Mm. I've been away the last couple of weeks. Um, first week I was in New York, I think I mentioned before I left, uh, for my 50th high school reunion. A trip. Uh, <laughs> a trip and a half, as they say. Um, wow. It was just the other day, all together. And then, and uh, Jane came with me, and we were, um, besides um, seeing all of my old classmates, not all, but uh, a significant uh, chunk of them, most of whom I didn't remember at all, some names I remembered, and some I really remembered. I said, oh, I know you, I was wondering if you were going to come. Uh, but mainly I was there with um, three friends who I grew up with, two who were my two closest friends, uh, going through public school, junior high, then we all went to high school together, and then we all went to college together. Um, so that was the big reunion for me. That was the big pull that uh, got me out, because we all agreed to, to go. And... Um, you look back and you, and you kind of, the, the question is, who was I then? And who am I now? Um, now? I won't say that much about it other than it, it kind of fits in with, the, with this theme. Uh, one thing that I was very happy to see is that of all the people in that room, um, I would want to be me rather than anybody else. That was very good news. Because uh, in those days, I, that wasn't the, the case. <laughs> Everybody else seemed cooler or hipper or whatever. Um, but um, to see, wow, I like being me is a very reassuring feeling. And I'm sure, I hope, that most everybody liked being them. It wasn't that I'm better than, but it just fits for me. Just this body, mind, heart fits for me. And I hope that's the case with everybody else there. Um, most of whom, I went to an all-boys high school. Actually, it's no, it, was, it was no longer all-boys Shortly after I graduated, but uh, I went to if you're in if you're from New York, you know um, perhaps Stuyvesant High School, which was an all boys high school. So which mm, when I got to college, I didn't look at the front of the room. I was looking around me <laughs> at girls for the first like month and a half. Oh my God, they are around somewhere. 
Um, and most of the most of the fellows had a you know big bellies and were retired. Very bright, very very bright uh, group of human beings. Um, and most of them had retired. And I was thinking, wow, I am doing what I like to do. What a blessing. And I'm in reasonably good health. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So anyway, that that was just an aside of where I've been. I was also for a week in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, with the community out there, a really lovely, wonderful community, and taught a retreat there. Um, I actually uh, thought of giving uh, the talk uh, because I opened up, as I did a couple of months ago, um, the, uh, some teachings on Ajahn Chah and just wanted to get a little bit of inspiration and uh, wanted to read to you a little bit of um, his teachings and then um, explore with you two short pieces. One, this is from a book, A Still Forest Pool, wonderful compilation of very short teachings of Ajahn Chah, who is Jack Cornfield and Ajahn Sumedho's um, teacher, main teacher. And I had the good fortune and karma to spend some time with him in Thailand as well. And um, he was the real deal. So this one is, don't imitate. We have to be aware of how people tend to imitate their teachers. They become copies, prints, castings. It's like the story of the king's horse trainer. The old trainer died, so the king hired a new trainer. Unfortunately, this man limped when he walked. New and beautiful horses were brought to him, and he trained them exquisitely to run, to canter, to pull carriages, but each of the new stallions developed a limp. Finally, the king summoned the trainer, and seeing him limp as he entered the court, he understood everything and immediately hired a new trainer. With teachers, teachers should be aware of the force of the examples they set. And even more important, students must not follow the image, the outer form of your teacher. They are pointing you back to your own inner perfection. Take the inner wisdom as your model and do not imitate the limp. Okay. So that's the first thing. So I don't limp, but, uh, you know, if you come here and say, oh, gee, wouldn't it be nice to just be yourself? What I'm trying to point out is that uh, you have everything you need right in there. Um, and here's the second little teaching that I like that will be the springboard for the rest of the talk. Rely on yourself. The Buddha taught that those who wish to know must realize the truth for themselves. Then it makes no difference whether others criticize or praise you. Whatever they say, you will be undisturbed. If a person has no trust in themselves, when someone calls them bad, they will feel they are bad accordingly. What a waste of time. If people call you bad, just examine yourself. If they are not correct, just ignore them. If they are correct, 
learn from them. In either case, why get angry? Easier said than done, but makes sense. If you can see things this way, you will really be at peace. There will be nothing wrong. There will be only dharma. If you really use the tools the Buddha gave us, you need never envy others. Whereas lazy people want to just listen and believe, you will be self-sufficient, able to earn your living by your own efforts. To practice using only your own resources is troublesome because they are your own. You once thought practice was difficult because you were contending, grabbing, uh, grabbing at others' goods. Then the Buddha taught you to work with your own and you thought everything would be fine. Now you find that too is difficult. So the Buddha teaches you further. If you cling and grasp at something, it doesn't matter whose it is. If you reach out and grab a fire in your neighbor's house, the fire will be hot. If you grab a fire in your own house, that too will be hot. So don't grab at anything. This is how I practice what is called the direct way. I do not contend with anyone. If you bring scriptures or psychology to argue with me, I will not argue. I will just show you cause and effect to let you understand the truth of practice. We must all learn to rely on ourselves. To rely on ourselves, to be ourselves, to not imitate. And to um, know that what you need is in here. And at the same time, we inspire each other. We come and practice together. And Sangha is one of the three jewels that we can't do this on our own. Because at the same time that that's true, as the Buddha said, Having good friends is the whole of the holy life. So it's not that you want to be so self-sufficient that I don't need anybody. That can just be another reification of ego. I'm just remembering now as I'm, I'm uh, sharing this. Um, many years ago, I, um, I did a process that maybe some of you remember uh, called rebirthing. Uh, and it was, it's a powerful process. It's a, very much like um, holotropic breath uh, that uh, Stan Graf has done in, in recent years. You do very powerful, continuous breathing, and you kind of enter into um, an altered state of consciousness. And I did a series of these um, with, uh, with a friend uh, who was guiding me through it. And it's called rebirthing because in, in some instances, you, you actually feel like you are being born for the first time, even having the experience of going through the birth canal. Anybody else done rebirthing in here? Oh, a few, okay. And also in, in that particular form, um, the uh, affirmations was a, a, a big part of the process. 
getting clear on where you get stuck. You're shaking your head. You're remembering, um, and and how and what you need to come through, and what was coming through in my process. I did five of these very intense sessions. This is like 1977, 78. Um, was my um, vacillation between being um, helpless at times, feeling like I couldn't do anything and I would kind of collapse and please somebody help me. And then on the other side, being very much independent and having it all together and not wanting to reach out for help. And I would often be that way, I don't need anybody, until I'd go under and collapse and say, oh, please, somebody help. And what it was a very um, uh, wonderful gift in that process and one of the affirmations that it really the whole thing boiled down to was, um, I have everything I need within me and it's healthy and good to be able to reach out when I need support that I didn't have to equate reaching out with weakness, but really a sign of strength that you could, you could actually um, be willing to be vulnerable enough to reach out for support, but not feel that you have to collapse in order to do it, and also see that you have often more than uh, what you think as far as your capacities. But... This required and requires being very honest with yourself without a sense of shame, without a sense of not enough, but really listening inside to what is true for you. And I'm reminded of the um, one of the greatest of all Shakespeare lines, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night, the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. The courage to be ourselves, to, to really be authentic, first connected with where we are, and let it be okay, and then the courage to act from that place to say what's needed to be said or to not say what's not needed to be said. I was thinking this this week particularly, I, 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 you couldn't help but go through this week with a kind of collective jaw-dropping consciousness I won't get too political here uh, because I, you know, it, it's, it was astounding, wasn't it? Wasn't it quite extraordinarily astounding? And yet, it, there was, it was this like extraordinary um, cowardice on the part of people who 
saw the truth, saw their own demise, and yet somehow uh, didn't have the courage to just do or say outspokenly what needed to be said or done, particularly one or two of the, the leaders that could have made a difference. To call it like it is, to not be afraid to do or say what you know is right without being afraid of the backlash. These times call for a lot of courage from all of us. There's no time to lose to be afraid to not speak the truth. To be afraid to speak the truth. Because there's so many forces of confusion and ignorance that are in our face every day. And when they're highlighted, you know, the, in, in, uh, I was reading one of the, it was, a, it was a really good Rolling Stone article, uh, a couple of Rolling Stone articles in this, this current issue, um, talking about how these days, the, the way the media feels compelled to present things is equal side, equal, equal airtime for whatever sides are, you know, if, if one has sanity and another side is an opposite view that has insanity, you, know, you give both of them equal time. And it can get so confusing to really get clear on what the truth is um, because you think, oh, well, a whole lot of other people think that way and there's a kind of fear that gets, that gets uh, stimulated. And I wanted to read, along with Ajahn Chah, uh, my other source of inspiration, who I've read from before. Um, this is uh, an excerpt from Mark Morford's um, column this week. <clears throat> As I've said before, my favorite writer, Wednesday is like the high point of the week to read Morford's column. And uh, here's a little bit of what I'm talking about. Uh, the column w- is, was called, uh, what's the name of the column? You are all completely insufferable. I'll just read a, a bit of it. Every Wednesday, it's just online, Mark Morford, M-O-R-F-O-R-D. Do you know the one thing we've all learned from, from the interweb? Everyone is awful. Every group, demographic, neighborhood, type of car, time of day, choice of outfit, weather system, and coffee shop preference Despicable, shameful, embarrassing, stupid. Don't believe it? Just ask, if you dare. We have become, in short, a nation of haters and trolls, or rather, a nation that numbly accepts hating and trolling, bullying and shaming, as a part of everyday life. 
and sort of built into the cultural framework. It's just who we are now. Is it not true? We seem to breathe in in this rank perfume of hate as if it was always there as if there was no other option than to allow increasingly huge swaths of society to be mean as snakes, cowardly and hissing anti-everythings, spitting endlessly into the wind, as if we had no other choice, when choice is, in fact, the only thing we have left. Hate and meanness, you could say, have reached epidemic levels seem to have poisoned the national dialogue in ways we've never seen before. And I'll just, this is a little bit of the current events, but I'll go for it. Witness Congress. Um, mm, I'll just skip that part. Contaminating, <laughs> contaminating the U.S. government with an open loathing well, for the black president so virulent and barefaced they're willing to shut down the government, default our national debt, and destroy lives of their own constituents to prove it. Now that's commitment. Then there's anonymous commenting. That one gets my vote, and I'm, I'm far alone for the worst invention of the millennia. Few things have done more to destroy healthy intellectual dialogue than allowing anyone to say whatever they want about any topic, news story, or piece of journalism without recourse, without any real knowledge of the subject, without putting their real name, face, or email address to their sneer. The consensus is universal. Anonymous commenting encourages the very worst, lowest aspects of the human animal. It is 2013. Hate is, unfortunately, more than a bad habit, a harmless trend enjoyed by a few lowlifes seeking attention. It has become a national modality, our shared online identity, to the point where any mention of Michelle Obama, for instance, on Fox News, incites a flurry of shockingly racist tweets. Um, and 12-year-old girls can bully each other into suicide via Facebook and, quote, not give a shit about it. I'm sure you, you're familiar with that story in the headlines. Wait, let us not be overly fatalistic and depressing. Maybe this net-fueled hate bubble will reach critical mass and ultimately burst. Maybe a national recoil is imminent. After all, a society fed primarily by meanness and spite, only has two options, collapse or transformation. And I'm forever convinced love and kindness will always prevail. The sad thing is, they're rarely the loudest voices in the room. It takes courage to not be afraid to speak up. And in the cultural atmosphere that we live in, maybe not so much here in Berkeley, but in most places, probably Berkeley has its share, it takes, it takes courage not being afraid to let your love shine to not go along with 
with the crowd or the bullies just to be one of them, just to be cool, just to be um, mm, cynical because it's too painful to not be. I remember reading uh, Michael Lerner, Rabbi Michael Lerner, who um, had this really wonderful line that cynics are just frustrated idealists. Cynics are frustrated idealists. There's a part of, of them that really has wanted to believe and wanted to love and wanted to see the best. And understandably, when that kind of idealism is trodden on, it's, it's after a while... Uh, the question, how could I have been so foolish as to think that love would prevail? And so it's cool to be cynical, but it takes real courage. If that's, if that's not who you really are inside, it takes real courage to not give up on humanity and to look for all the good around because the other stuff gets more airplay. So it's, it's easy to get confused and thinking, oh, well, that's how people really are. But that's not how people really are. That's not how most people really are anyway. And it takes, I believe anyway, and it takes also courage to speak up and say what's so but say it in a way that doesn't put down the other, where there can be compassion for the confusion. Because the way I see it, at least from, from a Buddhist standpoint, the real villain is not so much evil. The real villain is ignorance. It's just not understanding, not seeing clearly. And when somebody does something that's hurtful or mm, even mean-spirited and, and um, um, unthinking, unthinking and insensitive, it's that they are ignorant on many levels that, What goes around comes around. The more we create suffering, we poison our own heart. And that cause has an effect and that our actions affect everything around us, including those that we love. If there's a little bit more hate put into the world, then we all we all are um, victims of that. And it takes courage not to condone, not to say, oh, it's all cool. You know, as I you know, couldn't believe as I've been watching the last couple of weeks, my goodness, isn't it? It's amazing. But there, it's, it's just, uh, 
It's like Jesus saying on the cross, forgive them, they know not what they do. Real ignorance on, on, and not a put-down use of the word ignorance, but but truly just um, understanding they don't see cause and effect. Uh, And to still believe in and speak up for what's true, no matter um, what the... uh, what the pushback might be. Of course, you want to be safe and you don't want to endanger yourself. But to have the courage to say what's true, there's, in recent times, um, as I've, I've been uh, sharing here, I've been very inspired by Andrew Harvey and uh, his book called The Hope, A Guide to Sacred Activism. And the one thing that I've been getting from from him. He is like fearless, no holding back, very incredibly passionate. And I've just been more and more playing around with this notion of fearlessness between him and my mom who passed away a few months ago, who never held back anything that was in in her mind for better or worse. I've been kind of taking the best of of my mom, and there was a lot of good there. Just don't hold back and, in the Buddhist context, say what's truthful and what's useful, but to stay connected with what's going on inside and have the courage to both say the truth, be yourself, and also don't be afraid to love if that's what's what's coming through you. So... I thought that uh, before we have a conversation, I'd like us to reflect on um, on how this is for us personally. I invite you to close your eyes for for a moment. And I want to ask you to reflect on two questions. First, what gets in the way of you speaking your truth? You might bring to mind certain situations, whether it's at work or family or um, in, in other situations where you keep it in when it would be just as skillful to share. What gets in the way of you speaking your truth? Having the courage to be yourself. No judgment. See it with compassion if anything comes to mind. And then, second reflection. What supports you having the courage to speak your truth? 
And you might, if you can bring to mind times where you said what's so, even when it was a little bit um, of a risk. And remember how that felt. What supports you in speaking your truth? Okay, and now I think to make it uh, a bit richer and more personal, if you'd be um, willing to do it for a few minutes to uh, turn to somebody, it can be two or three people, and uh, just share maybe for about 10 minutes what comes up for you uh, in this, maybe some reflections, what gets in the way and what supports and uh besides you sharing your own truth, uh, to witness another and witness with kindness and compassion so um, you can uh, hear and, uh, and learn from each other. Okay, so if you just turn to somebody near you, again, it could be two or three people, and uh, have that conversation. Just uh, finishing up and thank your colleagues, partners. Uh, Well, you had a lot to say. I hope it was the truth. Um, (laughs) It's good. It's Good to see so much um, connection here. So uh, let's just uh, come back as as a group. What insights uh, did you either share or hear? Uh, What gets in the way? What supports you? Anything else that might have come up from, from this? Don't be shy. Yes, Deborah, let's see. Andrew, gotta, oh, he has Jackie. Yeah. Back, raise your hand, Deborah. I felt like we were all in the same boat. Um, we started talking about it, and we, we understand that the basis of that, that we want to speak our truth, is there's this constant conundrum. It's like you want to do right speech, mm-hmm. you want to have the right intention, and when it comes time to speaking your truth, fear creeps in, and what's that? The fear creeps in. The ear creeps. The fear. The fear creeps in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the ear. I don't know. Fear. Sure. Yeah. The but fear creeps in. Yeah. Right. And you don't open your mouth. Um, and in our group, it was um, a boss. Um, 
or a friend and being so conflicted that you don't, well, one, you don't want to get fired, and the other, you don't want to hurt your friend's feelings. You want to try and couch it in the right way, but you just lose that sense. So it was, uh, but it resonated so strongly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, fear is is the big thing that gets in the way. But and how do you how do you work with it? We all have fear. It's part of being human. As uh the great book by Jerry Jampolsky says, love is letting go of fear. And when fear isn't running the show, then what you have left is love, clarity, wisdom. So um how do you have courage to be yourself and to speak the truth? Any other comments? Yeah. Patricia. I had a really uh, intense experience recently because um, I had to have a hearing with the rent board with my landlord mm-hmm. who was scamming <laughs> my word um, by sending me a threat. I didn't know it was a threat letter. I took it as the truth that they were going to do this by charging me all this money. And my integrity was really up about this. So I researched it. I found the California Code. I spent all this time. And in the hearing, he just said, oh, you know, that was just a threat letter. And, you know, what would it... I really was with myself about what would it mean to speak my truth about this and what would it mean for them to have really turned another kind of corner. I've been a renter there for a very long time. What would it mean for them to approach the circumstance that was about a repair that they needed to do and weren't doing um, to work on it together, you know, Uh, There was a concern about toxicity with a certain way of doing it. Anyway, it was really scary. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard. And then um, I was going to be writing a letter as a follow-up because I omitted to present some piece of paper. And then another letter came from them to me, which had all these lies in it. And so I just feel like when I heard you tonight, it really brought up how I felt like doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just, it was really, really upsetting to me, and I, I didn't know how to be with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like going over a mountain to write that letter and mm-hmm. to reach out to a friend and ask for support because mm-hmm. there was a part of me kind of like I identify with what you were saying that mm-hmm. um, I have that part that, well, God, how come I'm so emotional about this? Why can't I yeah. just do the letter and just send it on its way, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't. Thank and you. once the letter was done, then I could be in that place where it would be whatever it is. But it's really scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's, as we said, fear is, fear is the big preventer, but there's such a price to pay for letting fear run the show. And it's, it's not to say, you know, as I said, there are some times where it's more prudent to not say what's true. You know, the, the guideline, the, the Buddha's guideline saying what's truthful and what's useful is 
and a, a, a whole art of reflection. So it's not that you've got to say everything that comes through your mind. Heaven forbid if that was so. But the to see the price that we pay for keeping it inside and the um, aliveness and and empowerment and power that comes from being aligned with the truth. Not from, I'm going to get my way or I'm going to vent, but just, what is that, the, the Gandhi uh, uh, concept of satyagraha, of being in the, the truth force, the force of the truth, um, is quite, um, quite a leap to embody and live in. And it just takes practice. And maybe each time you see, oh, that felt kind of crummy, I really cut something off of myself, of my aliveness, then, you know, the next time there's a possibility. But, yeah, just to be honestly where you are. The the empowerment was really great. Mm, Thank you. Here, yes, uh, all the way in the back. I think there's two parts to it for me. Yeah. One is being able to say what's going on with me, and the second part are the consequences as I imagine they might show up for me. And the first part... Tip it. Uh, the first part, being able to say what's going on with me, I think either can come from an emotional place or from a mental place. Mm-hmm. And I... When I come from a mental place, I'm often embarrassed about what I say. I'm not saying it correctly. It's not logically consistent. Mm -hmm. I'm foolish. I'm a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that doesn't work for me well. When I... I communicate well when I get angry. It doesn't sound good. There might be profanity in it, but it's always true. Mm -hmm. It's true about how I feel at that moment. Bob Marley said that he who feels it knows it. And that's becoming more real as I think about it. Mm-hmm. I find that if I can communicate as a child would, I can say a lot more stuff mm-hmm. and have it accepted than if I try to say it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like children just blast out stuff and it sounds really like harsh, but you accept it because it's very clear. There's no filtering in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Nancy. Yeah, there, and there's a, 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 an art between sta- being connected with the truth and being able to communicate it in a way that somebody will hear it. So that, that's another piece in there. What do you want as the result of this? Is it just to say your truth or is it to be heard? So there's a whole other art of both getting in touch with my intention and also and being connected with what's authentic and be able to sense what somebody is, how to phrase it and what somebody is able to hear. So, last comment. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I think there are some situations, and I'm thinking within families where, especially if it's someone you've known for a very long time, <clears throat> and you've 
you've spoken the truth and you've tried it many, many different ways. And mm-hmm. you, um, I want to say in a way that it's easy to give up, and it is, as long as, as for me, as long as I know why I'm giving it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to cause such a rift that, you know, it's just, I, these are people I have to deal with. Yeah. Forever, you know, mm-hmm. my forever or their forever, whichever comes first. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of a mindfulness practice. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's, that's the part of saying what's useful as well as what's truthful. Because, and, and oftentimes, by the way, if you're familiar with the Buddha's uh, teachings, oftentimes he would be quiet. Somebody would ask him something. And he would just you know, be quiet, smile, or feel, or go inside and be serene. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't pour fuel on the fire, or there was no point in saying something when it wasn't going to be heard. So it's the courage to be yourself also means the courage to, to know what's good for you as well, and what's going to be uh, more... Uh, edifying and 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 connecting and authentic. It's not like there's a black and white to this, but like you say, it's a mindfulness practice. So uh, I hope we can all uh, just explore this for this this week, and maybe then the rest of our lives. Uh, the the courage to just be connected to our truth and be willing to express it, because the world needs your truth. The world needs your caring and it needs the communication as best as possible to be as skillful as possible. But the first step is to be in touch with what's so for you. So let's, um, let's go inside and thank you for your attention and we'll just do a brief loving kindness. Uh, may I be in touch with the truth inside And may I express it well, skillfully. May all beings open to the highest happiness and peace and live in truth. And may our time here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere. Thank you very much. Nice to hang out with you. Have a good week. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.